Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. My conversation today is on intercropping with Dr. Yunfei Zhang, Assistant Professor of Agronomy at Dalhousie's Faculty of Agriculture. Yunfei explains some of the benefits and challenges of intercropping and discusses some of the research work that she is currently involved in with the Eastern Canadian Oilseeds Development Alliance and some of what she hopes to do in the future with both ACODA and the Atlantic Grains Council. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to kick things off, can you tell me a little bit about your background and about your current research program at the Faculty of Agriculture? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Yunfei Jiang. I'm from China, and I finished my bachelor degree from Fujian Agriculture and Forestry University in China. And my home university has a two plus two program with the uh, um, House University Faculty of Agriculture, formerly Nova Scotia Agriculture College. And because of this connection, I came to Canada in 2010 to do my master's study. So my master project is about nutrient management, um, the nitrogen with and without sulfur application on plant growth, sea yield and sea quality in the oil sea crop, Camnina. And uh, I went on to continue my PhD study at University of Saskatchewan. So I'm working on the climate change factor, especially focusing on the high temperature stress on pollen development and the CSAT in field PE. And uh, after I finished my PhD, I received the answer postdoctoral fellowship. So I moved to Ontario. I did my postdoc in University of uh, Guelph, working on basically kind of like combine my master and PhD nutrient management on symbiotic nitrogen fixation in common being. And uh, um, before I joined um, the House University for my new position, I worked for National Research Council Canada for three years. So it's more focused on the um, biotechnology, transcriptomics, multi-omics in uh, meiosis and uh, uh, microspore embryogenesis. So you can see my uh, background is quite diversified and I am very interested in both applied and uh, uh, basic research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's great to have you back in Nova Scotia. Um, it's been just about a year now. You, you were back in yeah. January, 2022. Time flies. Yeah, it has been <laughs> one year already. So my position is assistant professor in agronomy for sustainable agriculture. So my focus in uh, is agronomy, and uh, I'm uh, looking for ways to improve uh, crop rotation, and especially I'm interested in the novel agronomy practices to improve the crop yield and to mitigate the climate change impact. And uh, uh, also because of my background, I particularly interest in improving the nutrient efficiency, nutrient use efficiency and the crop resilience to climate change factor. So I have been um, working with uh, different uh, industry partners to find out the industry needs and address my research priority. For example, um, I um, submit the um, for proposal 
uh, to Atlantic Graves Council. It's actually just approved last week. So the project is about working on the um, enhanced efficiency nitrogen fertilizer in Grand Kong. So not just looking at the agronomy side, for example, the, um, the improved nitrogen use efficiency, yield, yield quality, but also looking at the environmental impact. For example, looking at the greenhouse gas emission, if the least enhanced efficiency nitrogen fertilizer able to reduce the greenhouse gas in, uh, green, yeah. greenhouse gas emission. So that is through the collaboration with the uh, Dr. David Burton in my department. And also looking at um, uh, economic assessment to see it makes sense uh, to um, using the um, the list uh, because it's more pricey compared to the standard fertilizer. Mm -hmm. But we know that, for example, this year and next year, there's an off-cap uh, pro uh, program yeah. um, from the federal government is able to compensate the differential fee yes. between the standard fertilizer and the enhanced efficiency fertilizer. So I also working on um, uh, establishing a collaboration, for example, with the PI Potato Board to mm -hmm. working on the, um, improving the, um, the crop rotation in potato and also working with uh, ECODA, which is um, Eastern Canada Oil Seed Development Alliance and uh, working on um, uh, intercropping. So we have done some of the intercropping study, but uh, for the next round of the uh, CAP, which is the AFC program, uh, Canadian Agriculture Partnership, and uh, we apply for the more funding to go more depth regarding mm -hmm. the intercropping. Sounds like you've got a, a lot of um, really relevant, timely research on the horizon, which is excellent. I, I foresee more podcast episodes on some of yeah. those other topics in the future. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's a great um, environment here, a lot of uh, opportunity, a lot of yeah. uh, collaboration. So one of the projects that you mentioned um, that you're involved in uh, with ECODA is looking at intercropping brassica and pulse crops for improved soil health and land use efficiency. Can you explain first off what intercropping is? Sure. So in, uh, in intercropping, it's a practice, uh, a practice that involved growing two or more than two crops in the same field at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um. So the goal here is to promote the interaction between different crops, but there's a different kind of like intercropping. For example, there's a mixed intercropping, so there's no clear arrangement. So they right. are seeded at the same time, or they might be seeded at different times, so relay intercropping. Mm -hmm. Or there's another time called strip uh, intercropping. So when the uh, crops, they are growing in wide uh, strips, uh, usually it's the, the, depending on the, the width, how wide the seeder is. Mm -hmm. in the field so for example from the street into cropping it's um it's wide enough to allow the to using the machine but right. it's also close enough to have the uh, cropped plant to plant uh interaction mm -hmm. so one of the classic example of the uh, intercropping is uh, three sisters 
So three yes. sisters, corn, bean, and squash. So this is one of the example of the wisdom from the indigenous uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, people for the um, comprehensive, complementary use of the uh, nutrient and uh, light resources, water. So for example, like the bean here, because it's legume, symbiotic, nutrient fixation is mm -hmm. able to reduce the fertilizer input for the system. So corn here, for example, will reduce, will provide the structure support for the bean. Mm -hmm. And for example, for the uh, squash, it's able to sort of like keep the ground covered. So mm -hmm. it's uh, helpful for the weed suppression and also keep the uh, soil moist. So it's one of the um, classic example of uh, intercropping. Yeah, so they're all helping each other out so that each crop can thrive and they yes, do better exactly. together than, uh, than on their own. Yeah, exactly. So there's more of, uh, I would say, cooperation going on than the competition in uh, Three Sisters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and then... So we're talking about intercropping where you would be harvesting both both or all crops um, that that you'd be planting as opposed to like interseeding a cover crop, which would be you would have your main crop that you'd be harvesting and then um, a cover crop that's maybe going to live on after that other crop has been harvested. So just I just wanted to make a little bit of a distinction there between the kind of two practices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Um, so what are the potential advantages of intercropping? You mentioned with the three sisters, um, they're kind of helping each other out in different ways, but can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, I guess the biggest uh, advantage or the, the, the biggest potential for intercropping is our yielding. Mm. So our yielding occurs when the yield produced by the intercrops, it's greater than yield produced by the component crops mm. if it's grown in a monoculture in the same size of the land right through the, for example we were talking about the complementary use of the nutrient light resources all those kind of benefits and that was the reason behind the um, our yielding mm -hmm. and also um, the second benefit is the stability so the intercropping promote or add the diversity to the cropping system in the same, um, same field. And the diversity tend to leading to the higher level of the stability. So I can see the potential, um, for example, under the climate change, more extreme weather and uh, the intercropping through the increasing the biodiversity is able to lead into the uh, higher level of the stability. And also other benefit I can think about, for example, reducing the chemical use. So mm -hmm. we are talking about, for example, when we using the legume crops, able to reduce the, um, the um, for example, the nitrogen requirement. And also we were talking, for example, um, intercropping is actually, um, use so sometimes use in the organic uh, system for example uh, it proved to be efficient in regarding uh, in the disease or weed management so mm -hmm. in that perspective um, intercropping able to reduce the um, pesticide 
a requirement. And also because we grow in different cross species and uh, we can prevent uh, completely um, the plant, plant failed because of the mm. extreme weather. So it's kind of like help with the, regarding the market perspective. Mm -hmm. If one crop fail and then still have the other crop. So, um, so there's a, a lot of uh, potential, a lot of um, benefit. But yeah. of course, there's a challenge behind it as well. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But no, as you say, lots of lots of different benefits yeah. um, and depending on on which crops you're using and everything. Um, I was reading a study of some work that was done in Newfoundland where they were intercropping corn and uh, forage soybeans, and they were able to increase the protein content of the forage by like 22% by adding in that soybean over just like the corn silage crop. So, yeah. So uh, a very, very similar study, uh, in a sense, in the one example you just mentioned, is like the some of the study in Western Canada um, from University of Manitoba, they using uh, wheat and the pea the intercropping. Mm -hmm. So it's actually is able to reduce the uh, protein content in wheat. So, um, yeah. Um, so with the project that you're working on specifically, uh, why is intercropping peas and camelina or mustard of particular interest? Yeah, and there's actually uh, multiple reasons behind why we choose these two uh, crop combination. Uh, one of them is because they have a different root patterns. So it's able to promote complementary use of the water nutrient uptake mm -hmm. and also pea is a legume crop mm -hmm. so the because of the symbiotic nitrogen fixation so it's able to reduce the nitrogen input for the crop for the system yeah which and, is so important with uh, nitrogen prices the way they are <laughs> yeah if we can reduce them that'd be great yeah totally agree with you and uh, the other thing is um if we just grow the um the uh, few pea along, it's easier with the lodging. Log mm, so great. um, it's kind of like the uh, with the intercropping is able to reduce the lodging issue. So to uh, reduce the harvest loss, so mm -hmm. the combine can pick up two crop and the uh, um, same time. Another reason is because of the uh, all your sea master and the camelina, they are brassica species. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a, a little pathic chemicals, uh, for example, the glucosinate yes. from the master and the camelina. So there's a, a, the biofumigation uh, function, uh, why we choose uh, 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 these crops. And also because of the pea and the master or pea and the camina, they have very different sea size. Yes. So that's important <laughs> later on when we're talking about one of the challenges is the sea separation. But mm -hmm. because the sea size are so different, it may be easier for the sea separation. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about camelina? I, I imagine there's some people who aren't familiar with it. So a little intro to Camelina. Yeah, so um, I actually working on Camelina when I doing my master's study. At that time, um, it was considered to be a novel um, all your sea uh, crop. 
have a lot of um, potential um, low input and uh, also uh, short growing season mm -hmm. and a fairly low input and uh, also doing well under the drought condition. Okay, great. What other crops that would typically be grown in the Maritimes are commonly intercropped or uh, what do you see would have the potential to be intercropped? Yeah, I guess one is not sort of new, uh, already been done a lot in Eastern Canada, I guess it's the mixed cereal, especially mm -hmm. for the, um, for animal feed. Mm -hmm. So no need to worry about, for example, the sea separation, right. which has been one of the challenge in the um, bigger scale of the intercropping. So, however, in my opinion, uh, for the um, mixed cereal, uh, did not take the full advantage uh, of the intercropping in the full extent. The mm -hmm. reason I say that because they are from the same family, they have similar root pattern, they have similar disease uh, profile. Mm -hmm. So um, there is certain level of the uh, diversity uh, intercropping, but didn't have the ten of uh, for the advantage of the um, intercropping. The other thing uh, I can see, I guess it also has been used in Eastern Canada here in Nova Scotia, is in the cereal with the legume crops. Mm -hmm. For example, for the cereal with the, for example, the red clover yep. um, has been uh, used uh, uh, commonly. And uh, regarding other um, crop combinations. So there's a uh, one of the um, the global meta analysis uh, published this year, looking at from the global scale. So there's over a thousand study from all over the world. Oh, wow! <laughs> and uh, over between seventy five to eighty percent of the study focus on the cereal and mm -hmm. the legume crops. Wow. which has been proved to be uh, successful in many areas in the world. Mm -hmm. So I can see that uh, has the potential there. The other thing um, regarding sort of like talking about the research uh, I've been involved in uh, this year is the oil sea and the legume uh, intercropping. So mm -hmm. we do find that uh, um, the combination with the right, uh, the planting density with master and a few P that uh, have a great potential and all yielding. So I would say that um, lagging with cereal, lagging with, with all your seed crop will have the uh, potential. Uh, although it's not new, but it's mm -hmm. still relatively new in, um, in this region. Yeah. So, if the uh, growers do consider intercropping, maybe try from the um, smaller scale, have yes. a clean field, and they have a lot of um, factors to consider um, regarding how to choose the right combination. And I also see there's a need for the research. Um, yes. So to be more <laughs> done, rather than the grower to learn from the hard way, so that is why um, in my role, I um, 
uh, apply to a funding proposal through the uh, ECODA mm-hmm. to continue, continue to looking at more combination of the crops yeah. to do well in um, our region. Yeah, no, that's great. As you said, it's um, not a new practice, but there's still more more work to be done and more research to be done um, in this region to to figure out how it can be applied best to yes. uh, to the Maritimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what are some of the challenges of intercropping? Although there's a lot of benefit, but there's a quite a few of the things to consider on the challenge as well. The, I would say the two big one, uh, one is the seed separation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, in our case, the reason we one of the reason we choose pea and uh, master because they are very different in seed size, so right. make easier for the seed separation. For example, through controlling air and then the screen in the ground cleaner is able to uh, separate. Uh, seed if they are uh, very different in seed size. Mm-hmm. And the other challenge is to match the day to maturity for different cross species. Right. So you cannot um, grow two uh, intercrops, especially you use in the uh, mixed intercropping. Uh, you need to consider they have a similar days to maturity so you right. can combine them at the same time. We should be different story for the relay on the strip intercropping. For the strip right. intercropping case, the machine is able to do in the bigger strip. Uh, so that uh, the I would say matching the day to maturity is important in the mixed uh, intercropping. So there's other things to consider, for example, in the market. So for example, um, if one of the crop is low value, mm-hmm. even it's fantastic, fantastic, have high yield potential, doing great in the uh, intercropping system. But if there's no market for it, mm-hmm. it's probably um, the, the lot of uh, environmental benefit, but there's, if there's no economic uh, benefit, it will be diff- uh, difficult to convince the growers to Adopt it, uh, adopt the, 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 the crop. Uh, yeah, very combination. true. <laughs> so we do need to consider the, the value on the market opportunity yeah. for the crop we are going to uh, choose. And then the other things we also need to consider is on the crops complementary, do they have a different rooting pattern? Mm-hmm. Do they differ in the nutrient requirement we talking about that in for example three sisters case mm-hmm. they have a lot more of like the facilitation cooperation helping each other so right. there's something you need to consider um as well so the other thing challenges also need to consider is the uh, uh, weed management Mm. For example, if um, there's a compatible with the herbicide um, option when we grow two uh, crops together. So that is why um, there's a lot of um, potential benefit, but there's also a lot of things for 
consider as well. Yeah, yeah. So it seems to me if you're thinking about your end product, what you're going to harvest, that you would want something that is either easy to separate, like you said, so different yes. seed sizes and easy to separate, or um, something that is is going to be used together, Mixed like you together, said, the the feed, feed, like yeah. a feed kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's that's really interesting. So with this like strip cropping, uh, that makes sense. You would just, you know, do one pass of one thing and one pass of another thing. Um, but when you're doing more of a mixed intercropped system, how would you go about planting that? Like, does, would that be, um, would you plant one thing first and then the other thing, or do you mix them together or talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so in our case, in our intercropping, P with master, P with camina, we do planting separately using mm -hmm. the uh, seed drill. Mm -hmm. So we, um, the peas got planted first and then master or camina and seeded after that. The reason is that they are very different in mm -hmm. seed size, seeding depth, seeding rate. So it will be challenge very difficult very, very if we to mix the pea and the camina um, together yeah. so in our case for this specific of the um, pea and uh, master camina in our case we're using the seed uh, drill and uh, planting separately because mm -hmm. they have different seed size seeding depth and uh, uh, seeding rate Right. Uh, so you can control um, each one separately that way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but like, for example, like um, for some of the, if it's similar in seed size, seed depth, and uh, for example, like cover crop mix. So mm -hmm. it makes sense just broadcast it. Right. And it also yeah. reduces the pass. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sure. it, I think it really depending on what mixture we are looking at. Right. Yeah. And like cereals, you could probably just mix together and do because they'd be similar enough. Mixed grain. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed grain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how does intercropping affect the yield of both crops? You mentioned earlier that, um, you know, it's a better land use efficiency and overall you're going to get, um, you know, more yield. But um, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So one of the biggest um, reasons why doing the intercropping is in the all yield. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a benefit to grow, uh, to, to increase in the yield. So all, the all yielding occurred when the yield produced in the intercropping system is greater than the yield produced by the component uh, crops in monoculture or in the pure plant stand, just one crop. Right. When we're talking about the owner, uh, same size of the land per unit right. of land. So one of the um, indicator or the parameter we're looking at is called LER, which is stand for the land equivalency ratio. Mm -hmm. So LER is a measure how much land will be required to achieve the intercrop yield with the crop growing just in the monoculture or as the pure stem 
Right. So, for example, that if the LER value is greater than one, which means there's a benefit, better land use efficiency in intercropping compared to monoculture. So when the LER equal to one, that means there's no benefit into in intercropping compared to just grow the one crop. Right. And when the LER smaller than one, that means the intercropping did not do well regarding the right. land use efficiency compared to the just grow the one crop. So um, there's a lot of study have been uh, showed that uh, in most of the time, 70%. So there's a study from the University of Manitoba uh, found that 75% um, of time, the RER value is greater than one. Mm -hmm. But one thing you should mention that the, it's not guaranteed. So right. it's not always consistent. like anything with agriculture. <laughs> there's never a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. So there is a risk about it yeah. as well. But as far as our own study about P Master P Camina study, mm -hmm. based on the data we have so far, the LER value is all greater than one, mm -hmm. which means there is um, better land use efficiency, all yielding. Um, observation we saw in the intercropping compared to just growing uh, one crop. Yeah. Yeah. The reason yeah. is uh, what we discussed, so for example, the complementary use of nutrient, water, right. light, resources better. And with, the, for example, the, um, the biofumigation, better control disease and the better control weed. So, um, a lot of times we can see LER greater than one, but mm -hmm. it's not guaranteed. It's not always consistent. For sure. So my understanding is that it has um, a lot to do with like the ratios of of those crops that are involved. So because you don't want, you're not going to have, say, if you're planting uh, corn at, you know, uh, thirty two thousand plants to the acre and you're adding an intercrop, you're not necessarily going to keep that same seeding rate. You're probably going to drop it back and you're also going to have a lower seeding rate of the other, but combined they work out to, to yield higher than they would on their own. Yeah. Yeah. That totally rate. agree with you yeah. that uh, usually often the time Regarding the optimize the plant, that is when the plant density is important. So one mm. of the, the so no, one of the main objective in our study is to determine the optimum seeding ratio, seeding rate of right. pea and uh, the oil seed crops. So a lot of time, the seeding rate of each crop in the plant mixture mm. is usually below the yeah recommended rate because. Right. If you're going to grow the for recommended rate at the same time, then it's just going to be overclouded. You're just increasing the competition. So you yeah. have to find like the tipping point between competition and, and where they're benefiting each other. Yeah. So the challenge here is to find out sort of like sweet uh, spot, the optimum ratio between um, these are uh, two crops. So that is one of the objective uh, of uh, 
um, our study. So from our study, uh, we found that slightly higher than recommended rate for P, mm -hmm. uh, 1.5 uh, uh, of the recommended rate. Okay. Plus the reduced only 50% of oh, the okay. master, it has right. the highest um, LER. Mm. So, um, which is really um, depending on what combination. So the ratio I'm talking about is specifically applied to the P and the master uh, plant mixture. Yeah. So for example, if we do not have enough um, pulse, then they're probably not going to, um, for example, fix enough of the nitrogen and uh, also, because from what we saw is um, master is very competitive. Mm -hmm. So it's all compete in the P. Right. So we want to reduce the rate of the oil C uh, master in this case, slightly higher than recommended rate for uh, P because less competitive compared to master. And we also want that uh, there's a uh, benefit of the uh, legume symbiotic nitrogen fixation, but yeah. So our re we're looking at a half rate, uh, one four rate, and one and half times of the recommended rate. Mm -hmm. So there's a nine combination because there are two crops, three rate. Right. So nine plus we have the uh, pure master, pure P. So we're looking at the uh, ER. We find out based on the data we have so far, we see the best combination regarding the seeding rate is half rate of master and one and half times rate of um, P. That is, we see the best LER, the best our yielding uh, potential. That's actually very um, similar study from some of the researcher in uh, in the West mm -hmm. in Saskatchewan. They also like uh, suggest that uh, to see higher rate for the pulse crop mm. in intercropping, however, reduce rate, for example, the 50% for the other companion crops, for mm. for example, for the black species or for the, um, the cereal crops. So, but this is a, a part when we're talking about intercropping with the pulse crops. Yeah. Oh, no, that's so interesting. There's so much to consider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what potential do you see for Nova Scotia growers to integrate intercropping into their production systems? Yeah, um, as I mentioned, I think I can see there's a lot of potential and uh, um, grow already use it. For example, mixed grain mm -hmm. and uh, the cereal with um, legume, for example, the uh, the cereal with the right. red clover have already been used. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do want to uh, sort of like, like, I would say that the intercropping is still relatively new in yep. this region. So haven't been intensively researched. Mm -hmm. So that is why we need more research to do the intercropping regarding different kinds of crop combination, to determine the uh, uh, optimum planting um, density. So there's a lot of uh, potential, but also to 
need to consider a lot of um, factors we discussed when mm -hmm. uh, doing the intercropping. So if the grower do uh, consider uh, the intercropping, uh, I will encourage you to try from the small area first and uh, to consider the, some of the factor we discussed and uh, to put into the uh, consideration. So there's a potential, but a more study is, is needed. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm with you. I think that uh, lots of potential and a really, really interesting practice. And um, we just, we need to continue to look at what's going to work best for our region and our crops and, and kind of go from there. So looking yeah. forward to some of the work that you have coming up on that and, and seeing how that develops. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. And uh, I look forward to hearing about some of the stuff that you have on the go. And um, yeah, we'll we have lots to talk about in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Stay tuned for a written summary coming up in the next edition of the CropLinks newsletter, which you can subscribe to by visiting our website. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Follow us on social media at MS Perennia. Thank you to Perennia for supporting this podcast and Rachel Oxner and the marketing and communications team for production and design.